Kayla. Hey loves. This is Nalani. And Sasha. Welcome to On Wednesdays We Drink. Oh, we didn't have anything to cheers because we're not we're not doing things regular today. It's so no cheers. You cheers at home. Yeah. <laughs> um in light of everything that's going on, we are definitely gonna use this platform, our podcast, as um, you know, giving voice giving our voices or specifically Sasha's voice. Um, for everything that's going on in America right now. Yeah. So, I mean, if you haven't heard, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how (laughs) because this is just, this has been a heavy topic, um, for the past, what, week or so? Yeah, a little over a week now. Yeah, so, right now, um, protests have erupted across the country and it's, because of the senseless killings of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor. Um, This is all stemming from unnecessary police brutality. So, we kind of just want to open up this conversation, and I definitely wanted us to have this conversation, and it's just because... You know, you mean so much to me, you and your family, and I think that your experiences, your ideas, your your voice needs to be heard during this time, and, you know, I am a woman of color, but I'm not black, and I cannot speak on, you know, your experiences, and I can't even begin to describe probably how you're feeling right now, and so I think this podcast is going to be, you know, a platform for you to speak and hopefully for you, for anybody that's listening right now, you guys really truly listen. And I'm going to be a really good ally and a good friend and just let this be your stage today. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Wish us all good luck, y'all. But thank you. Um, I do want to say before we get into any of the things that are going on that Nalani and I had a long conversation um, spanning over a couple of days actually about whether or not we were actually even going to record this week or mm-hmm. if we were just going to post something on our social saying that, hey, we're taking a break um, because of everything that's going on in the world right now and we don't feel that it's the right time to have these kinds of conversations. And um, you've been great. She's been super supportive. Very much so um, in the space of just letting me make the decision of whatever the hell it is that we did going through with this. And I will be very honest with you guys. I've been extremely back and forth about whether or not I even wanted to do this, if I thought this was a good idea. I knew for sure I didn't want us to do a regular episode just about any of the things that we talk about, lifestyle, health, fashion, friendship, whatever. Like, I didn't want to do any of that this week. And I was very hesitant to even record an episode, but I got to a place where I said, you know, I don't, I know that I have a voice as a black woman. I know that, uh, which is something I'm going to address. I know that I have a privilege as well as being half white in the black community. And I didn't want, I didn't want my voice to be stepping on anyone else's toes of what's going on, because I don't Mm -hmm. think What's happening right now is a narrative that I should have the right to completely control because of the privilege that I have of being fair skinned and having curly rather than coarse hair and having several Eurocentric beauty features that make it a little more palatable for people who 
don't see black people as equal to look at me and have fewer issues with my existence. And I wanted to make sure that whatever we did and whatever we said wasn't just me amplifying my experiences and my voice, but was me creating a space for people to understand what's going on right now, for people to listen to someone, because maybe I'm the only voice that you are listening to in this moment. And that was ultimately what made me decide to go ahead and do this, because I didn't want to say, hey, I have a platform that I can say something and I'm choosing to be silent, because I felt like that was a bigger problem mm -hmm. than just facing up to the fact that I'm emotional and I'm overwhelmed and I'm upset by everything that's going on and just having a fucking conversation. So this is where we are um, to, if I have any black listeners, I don't know what our demographics are, but to, if I, if I do to those people, I wanted to let you know that I recognize being half white holds a privilege in, in the black community, not because black people view me as better, but because colorism is a part of racism. And there's no way of denying the fact that me being fair skinned has gotten me out of situations or has given me a privilege that when I'm standing next to my cousin who's much darker than me, people look at me as the one who's calm or the face, a, a good face of what the black community should do. And I don't want anyone to misrepresent me and use my voice and my platform to say to other black people, you need to be more like her. Because that's not true. And I don't want that to ever happen. Mm -hmm. And I know it has. So I just wanted to be very upfront and recognize my position my position of privilege and for anyone who doesn't recognize that colorism is a thing to be very honest and vocal that colorism is 100% a thing and it informs the way that I act informs the way I interact the way people interact with me and I'm very much so aware of that and I did not want to brush over any of that so statement number one this is going to be going to be a long long rant so it's not going to be a rant it's <laughs> It's something that needs to be discussed. And, yeah. you know, the beauty of our friendship is that we are both women of color. But at the same time, we've both experienced racism together. Mm -hmm. And we, not that we've bonded by it, but we understand it. And we come from a place that I can understand your pain. Yeah. And you can understand my pain as well. Yeah. It makes the conversation a lot easier when I'm not having to explain to someone why it happens or why it exists or how I feel and then on top of it what happens like mm -hmm. it's, it's nice to have that foundation but that's not to say that you can't have conversations with people who have no connection and feel like they can't relate at all because you can and I think it's important that you do yeah and unfortunately for women of color it's just this is sometimes your story yeah and it's not a rant. You need to get over it. <laughs> or it is a rant. And if it is, whatever. I don't really give a shit. I'm not apologizing. It's an informative conversation. That works. <laughs> but anyway, so we're basically, basically for this this episode, we're going to kind of do like a Q&A mm -hmm. where I'm going to have, I mean, they're watching everything. Um, I've kind of had questions in my head that popped up. I've had conversations with individuals in my life that... It's just, I need clarification, and I couldn't speak on it, and I couldn't argue a point when I am, I'm not black. So, I wanted to have Sasha here, and, you know, to kind of, again, give her viewpoint on on everything. So, are you ready for it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, it's a few questions. Let me pull it up. Okay. So, as a black woman, 
What is your viewpoint on the riots and looting that is taking place across American cities? Okay. This is... We had a long conversation yesterday. Yeah. And I just feel that the rioting and looting is what the media is choosing to focus on. Mm -hmm. And the Black Lives Matter movement is kind of getting pushed aside because of this media coverage. Right. So I just want to get your viewpoint on basically... Is this something that you support? Is this something that you think is not necessary? Yeah. People are exploiting it. Yeah, all of that. Um, I'm, I'm going to say right now, this is going to be a really long answer. This is a really big topic, and I think Nalani put it really well, that media is showing a large spotlight on rioting and looting, and because of that, it's creating like a very intense conversation that's going on around this. I have lots of feelings, lots of thoughts Lots of um, reactions to what's going on. Um, first and foremost, I am not the end-all, be-all of this conversation. My response is my response, and it's how I feel. It's how I am analyzing and interpreting what's going on in the world around me, but I am not the end of that conversation, period and point blank. And I think that you should never look to one person as the end of that conversation. Do do the work to enlighten yourself. Do the work to educate yourself and learn more about what's going on and understand why things are happening the way that they are before you make a judgment and before you make any kind of statement about whether you think something is right or wrong because we all need to be more informed before we jump to any kind of conclusion about anything. And myself is included in that, even as a black woman. So to that, I have to say, I am at my core a pacifist. I do not like violence. I would be a hippie flower love child if I was back, <laughs> if I was a teenager or a young adult in the 60s protesting war, that would be me. Um, I am 100% all for world peace and I don't, I don't like the idea of violence. It's not something that sits well with me. I don't like seeing people getting hurt. I don't like seeing people afraid for their lives or anything in that regard. So I just keep that in mind as I talk about the things that are going on right now. But with that, I have to say, for the people who are afraid because of the riots that are going on, for the people who are upset at the violence that they see happening in the streets, whether it's you know people burning buildings or you know, stuff being looted or stolen or anything in that regard, I have a bit of a twofold response to you. I don't want to see violence. I don't enjoy watching these things happen. I don't. However, I think the reason why I have this particular position on rioting and looting is because the pain that you're feeling, the anxiety that you're feeling, that fear that you feel of, I don't know what's happening in my world right now. I don't feel safe walking down the street or any of those moments that you're having right now. I don't condone that looting is creating them, but I do invite you to sit with it and understand that that is what your black community feels all the time. And I know that's uncomfortable. And I know that it's not something that you enjoy having to deal with. But it's a reality for people of color, especially black people when it comes to the police, is that you don't know what's going to happen. You could leave your house. You could be, I don't know, at the grocery store, walking down the street, mm -hmm. or any of the other things that we have seen over the past 10 years of black people being killed for no reason, going jogging, having a hoodie on, wearing, having their hands in their pocket, holding a soda, holding a cell phone that makes a cop think that it's a gun, whatever. 
that fear and anxiety that you're feeling for the past week watching people riot and loot, and loot is something that just lives under the surface for someone who is black. And if you are uncomfortable right now, take a step back with yourself and say, but how would this feel to be uncomfortable every day of my life? And as much as I don't think rioting and looting is, I don't know, quote unquote, the right way, which I also hate saying that something is the right way, it's having an impact. And I, it sucks that media is only covering the riots and the looting, but it's having an impact. People are talking about it. There's a movement going on and no one's ignoring it anymore. No one's saying like, oh, I'm annoyed at these protests because they're clogging up traffic. And that's the only conversation you have about the Black Lives Matter movement. You're talking about it now. You're feeling it now. And I'm not condoning it. I'm not condoning rioting. I'm not condoning looting. I'm not condoning lighting buildings on fire. I'm not condoning any of that. But I am saying don't try and brush these feelings off. Sit with them realize that this is something that is a real experience for people who don't look like you and that it's not necessarily right that we have to live that way constantly that every day is this level of anxiety and you just get so used to dealing with it that it doesn't even phase you anymore that is where we're at right now and I think People have a really negative response to riots and people have a really negative response to looting. Also, as a side note, a lot of the news information that I've seen coming out from these protests is that black people are not the ones doing the looting and they're not the ones smashing buildings in and lighting things on fire. That it is other people who are at these protests with them that start these violent acts and engage with the police to create a more violent response to this protest that's going on. So always, always educate yourself. Always look past just one news story of something to try and find more information about what's going on because everything that's happening with the buildings being on fire, with shit being stolen and all of that jazz, you're hearing these conversations in connection with the Black Lives Matters protest and movement. You're not seeing who's actually doing this. And what's being done is it's being used as a way to discredit the Black Lives Matter movement and to perpetuate a cycle of belief that black people are inherently violent and that anything that they do will of course turn to some sort of violent end or some sort of negative consequence because that is the nature of the people. And that is the reason we're having such of these responses because our society as a whole has created a realm in where black people live in a space of assumed guilt and assumed violence. And that's mm -hmm. why we're having such a hard time in this space because it's not right to see some white guy shoot up a church and get taken out peacefully in handcuffs by cops and a black guy who's assumed to be writing a fraudulent check killed. None of that makes any kind of sense and it shouldn't make sense and no one should be okay with that. We should not be comfortable with that being the existence of our reality. So I understand people are mad. I understand people don't like seeing riots. I understand people don't like seeing looting. However, sit with your uncomfortability and also ask yourself, because I've seen tons of people talk about like, oh, you should be more peaceful. Why is this not a peaceful protest? One, there are tons of peaceful protests going on. Look around. Mm -hmm. There's so, so many happening. I've seen plenty of cops kneeling with protesters. Mm -hmm. I've seen police officers walking with protesters. I've seen protesters dancing in the middle of the street together. I've seen mm -hmm. tons of peaceful protests going and on. Different um, cultural communities yes. are coming out and yes. supporting and and 
doing peaceful protests. Completely and entirely. But that, it's, that's not the focus on media. That's not the focus that's happening right now. And I feel like, so one, make sure you recognize that there are plenty of peaceful protests going on. And two, if you're asking yourself, why can't you just do this peacefully? Why is this having to happen this way? I think you should also ask yourself the question, why would you prefer a peaceful protest? Is it A, because you think something this disruptive is illegal and should not be done? Or is it because a peaceful protest is easier for you to ignore and you'd oh rather God. just go back to life as a nice, comfortable space for yourself? Because let's be honest, black people have been peacefully protesting for years. Colin Kaepernick lost his job for kneeling peacefully. Kobe Bryant wore a shirt that said, I can't breathe because of Eric Gardner peacefully for years and change has not happened. So if you would prefer a more peaceful protest, is it because that's easier for you to just turn off the TV and move on with your day? Right. And if that's the answer, then I think you'd have a bigger question to ask yourself. Well then, that, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. No, thank you. <laughs> Damn. Okay. So following that... Um, how are you responding to people posting or arguing all lives matter? So I'm going to say the response <laughs> that I'm going to give to this is the response that I have today. Um, this is not the same response that I've had in the past for any of my friends who have asked me about this in the past since this Black, Black Lives Matters movement has been happening to me for years. Um, and people have res been responding with an all lives matter protest or hashtag or whatever the hell for years. Um, so the response I'm giving you is the response I have today. My response might change um, in the future. My response has changed from what it was in the past. And I'm sorry to give you this response that I have to give you right now, but this is a response that I have to give you right now. We are tired. I'm tired of having to argue back with people about why saying all lives matter is problematic. I'm tired. I'm over it. If you want to understand why it's problematic, don't ask me. Don't ask another black person. We got a lot going on right now. We got a lot of stuff on our plate. Find yourself a woke white person who understands why all life matters is problematic and go talk to them. Because that's not, that's not my hill to die on right now. It's not my argument to have with you. If you look at a Black Lives Matter movement and you say, well, that's dumb. You should say all lives matter. I'm not taking the time to explain to you why you're wrong. I used to. I have had plenty of long discussions with friends trying to explain and go back and forth about how it's problematic, about how it's reactive, and that if All Lives Matters was a thing that was said before Black Lives Matter, it would have a different connotation. But because it's reactive, it has a completely different approach and a completely different argument to it and a different basis to it. I've gone through really long and complicated conversations with people. I've shared beautifully succinct explanations where it's like, if your neighbor's house is on fire and the fire department comes, you don't say all houses matter. You help them save your neighbor's house because your neighbor's house is on fire. And that's what you look like saying all lives matter. Oh, I love, I love seeing that. I've done, I've done so many of those. I've done so many of those and I see it happen over and over and over again that people use the argument all lives matter and say that it's inaccurate or inappropriate to say black lives matter. Anytime you speak out about any specific race, you will always get the white response of, oh, but it'd be racist, racist if I said white people. I'm tired. 
we as a black community are Rosa Parks tired right now. We done. We done. <laughs> Find someone else to have that conversation with because it's not going to be us right now. Thank you. Okay, moving forward. As a child, and I'm sure while into your adulthood, what conversation has been repeated in your household? Yeah. Um, so I think, and I think the point of this is to show the difference between a lived black experience and the experience that other American citizens might have in their household. Yeah, because I'm telling you right now, like, I, again, I'm a person of color, I'm Asian and Hispanic. I've never had to have a conversation with my parents that, okay, when you come into contact with a police officer, you have to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it's always been like, oh, the police are here to help you. They're good people. And it's just, you know, as you grow older and you see all the injustices, injustices that are happening around you, it's just, you kind of reflect and be like, well, why was that not a conversation in my household? Mm -hmm. But, again, that is not my community, and I can't speak up on that. Right. So, I would like to hear from you. Yeah. And I think, more than anything, I think the overarching conversation that we're having here and the conversation that I encourage all of you to have is that we are all equal, hopefully, theoretically, in this country, um, but we all live different lives. And we're not going to be able to completely understand either the anger and frustration felt by certain people of certain races or any of the devastation felt by certain people of certain races unless we actually have those conversations, unless we talk to them, unless we get uncomfortable and say, hey, I don't know what it's like to be you. I will never fully understand what it's like to be you, but I want to learn more so I can understand what's going on in my life right now and what's happening in your life right now and why it's affecting you the way that it is. And I think one of the one of the big parts of the conversations that I know black people have with their own people in their own community and especially their own children is uh, something called that we call the talk that I know pretty much no one else has. And uh, by the talk, I don't mean sex. That is the talk that everybody has. That is not the talk that you have as a black person. Mm -hmm. And this particular conversation that my dad had with me when I was a teenager also just goes to show that me being one female and two incredibly fair skin was a privilege that I had, that he was able to postpone having this conversation with me until I was a teenager. Because I have cousins who are much darker than I am, who have had much more complicated and much more nuanced conversations with their parents from a much, much younger age than I have ever had to do. But the talk that my dad had with me and my sister was a very clear point-by-point -point explanation and guideline for what to do when you're pulled over by the police. And if there are any black people listening in this moment, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about when I say this. Anyone who is not black and you have ever been with a black person when they've interacted with the police and you're sitting there wondering why they're acting the way that they are, this is why. So my dad is a little bit darker than me, but he's not incredibly mm -hmm. dark. He's he's a pretty light-skinned black dude, too. But I grew up in South Central, was the darkest of his siblings. I will not go into his past that he has had, but he has had a very interesting past in his life. Um, but because of all of his past experiences, he made sure that he told my sister and I all of the things that we would need to know to keep ourselves safe. Because something that I didn't learn until I was an adult, because I wasn't raised the way that other people were, especially white people, 
is that they view police as you are here to solve any problem and to rid me of any inconvenience that could be potentially happening and I call you for everything. That is not the way black people view the police. We don't call them unless we absolutely have to call them. Someone is breaking into your house, someone has stolen your property, that's when you call the police. I'm not calling the police because someone's noisy down the street. I'm gonna just go down the street and ask them to be quiet. I'm not calling the police for any minor inconvenience. My cat's stuck in a tree. I'm not calling cops for any of that. But apparently that's shit that white people do. Didn't learn that until I got older. Real surprised at how comfortable those conversations are between white people and police because that's just not the black lived experience. This is. So my dad told me um, right after my sister got her license, right before I got my license, my sister's older than me, that these are the very specific rules that he wanted to make sure we followed anytime we got pulled over by the cops. Rule number one, if you get pulled over, pull over into a space that is well lit so mm -hmm. that there are hopefully people around who can see what's going on. Rule number two, you turn your car off. You put it in park and you turn your car off. This way the cop doesn't think you're trying to run and there's no excuse to shoot you. Rule number three, you roll your window halfway down so that they can't reach in and unlock the door and pull you out of your car. Rule number four, you move very slowly and with very controlled movements to grab your ID, your registration, and your insurance and leave them visible by your gear shift. This way when they come up and ask you for your ID, you can let them know exactly where it is and explain to them that you're reaching for it. Next, I think I'm on five now, rule number five. Um, after you have moved incredibly slowly to grab your ID and your insurance paper and you leave them in a visible spot, you put both of your hands on the wheel and you do not move. When the cop comes up, you respond politely with a yes ma'am, yes sir. You never respond saying that you understand why you are being pulled over. When they ask to see your license and registration, you explain before you move what you are grabbing and where you are grabbing it from. You wait for them to say okay and then you move and pick it up and you hand that shit over and then you don't move again and you stay in completely quiet until they come back up to you and explain whatever it is they pulled you over for. They want to give you a ticket, you don't argue. You take the ticket and you say thank you and you shut up. If they ask you to get out of the car, you can start asking a few more questions, but you always need to answer everything with a yes ma'am or yes sir and be completely polite. If they let you go and just give you back your stuff, you wait in your car, you do not move, you do not turn it back on until that cop has pulled away. Then you move. And this is all to make sure you don't get shot for doing something that you didn't explain to them. And these are the rules I have lived by my entire life. Now mind you, I've actually never been pulled over by a cop. I've been extremely fortunate that I've never had to have that experience in my life, but I have been in the car with my sister when she got pulled over, once. She and I both knew the rules. I was in the passenger seat, I didn't move, I didn't speak, I didn't say anything, I didn't address the cops. I rolled down my window because both windows had to be rolled down. It's part of the rules. She did exactly as my dad said. And the fact of the matter is these rules that my dad told us, he said, you have to follow these no matter how scared you are, no matter how stressed out you are, no matter how much you think that this is bullshit that you're being pulled over, whatever, you follow these rules. So for anyone who saw the video of George Floyd being killed and was, I, I saw someone post about this, they were like shocked and amazed and appalled at the fact that he was so calm the entire time and saying, I can't breathe, sir, please stop. This is why we've been told for years since we were little that you must be polite. And even still, yeah. look what happened. And that's just part of the shit that's told to you. I mean, my cousins who are 
darker and male have had different conversations, have had mm-hmm. conversations about what you do if you're walking and you get stopped by a cop, what you do if you're driving and you get stopped by a cop, how you respond to people. It's a, it's a very long and lengthy conversation. And this is just shit that you do. I was thinking earlier today, um, when I was younger and I was shopping, uh, my mom and my dad actually both had showed me that if you have a big bag that's like, meh, looks kind of empty, that you have to always hold it away from yourself, never put your hand near it, never put the hand, the other hand, the not the hand that's holding it, near it, or make any kind of fast movements to make people believe that you're shoplifting. Wow. Just many, many rules. Many, many rules for how you are supposed to act in society so that you look like less of a threat. Because the lived truth is that we know we are always assumed guilty before innocent and that we are always a threat, no matter what spaces we're in. That's crazy. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, he, it's, yeah. I mean, I've heard these stories and, you know, we had a really long conversation, but still it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just a terrible, it's a terrible reality that I have to hear from my best friend, you know? But anyway, moving forward, we have two more guys, <laughs> and then we're going to hit you with some resources. Yeah. Um, okay, so would you like to address the overuse of Dr. Martin Luther King's oh, yeah. words oh, on social yeah. media right now? Oh, let's talk about Dr. King. Let's talk about Martin, who a I little, love. A little lighter, but... Who I love. But yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about this. Um... A lot of people, and I feel like this is something that black people talk about every Martin Luther King holiday, a lot of people love to quote Dr. King. They love to say, like, you know, he was so peaceful. He showed us what you can do with peaceful protesting. Like, he changed the world without ever having to be violent or ever saying a negative thing. Like, all of this stuff. People love to quote his, um, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. People love that quote because it just implies that being doing anything violent doing anything slightly negative is not going to get you a positive result and they love to show him as like the face of why peaceful protesting should be the way to do things and as much as I do I I love Dr. King's message I love that he was Mm -hmm. able to successfully peacefully protest for so many things I think this is another one of the many moments in American society where we look at history through the lens of what we think sounds best, not necessarily what actually happened in history. Mm -hmm. And we use it as a way to structure our current society and reprimand people for doing things. And that's my bigger issue. Quote Dr. King as much as you want. He was a brilliant man. He was an amazing activist. He created so much positive change in America as a whole. Because I'm not just going to say for the black community. Yes, a a lot of what he did was for the black community. But it created positive change for our entire American society. So quote him, read him, live by his message. He's an amazing person. Do not use him as a way to negate the way people are protesting right now or as a way to say that people need to do things in a better quote-unquote way or in a different way because that's just not true so let's just talk about the truth right now Martin Luther King was an amazing man he did amazing things and he was killed because no one wanted what he was pushing for his uh, daughter tweeted the other day 
that she, uh, an independent poll was done, I think in like 67, that stated Martin Luther King was the most hated man in America. Most hated man in America. No one liked him. No one wanted to listen to what he had to say. And what was their response to all of his peaceful protests? He was met with tear gas while protesting. He had attack dogs sent on him while protesting. People weren't happy with his movement. People are never happy when you question the status quo, when you say, this is probably not right and this is not just. And I know that it's technically legal right now, but it's not just and it's not fair. And it's not the way that this American society that boasts to be equal and free for everyone. This is not the way that the society should look. People did not like him. He was killed. He was assassinated, murdered, whatever word you want to use, because no one liked what he had to say. And people love to compare Martin with Malcolm, Malcolm X, and say that like, oh, Martin had the better platform. He had more followers. He was the smarter man for it, blah, blah, blah. They killed both of them. Let's just stop and say the whole truth. They shot Martin and they shot Malcolm. Why? Because they had the same message. They had different outlooks. They had mm -hmm. different perspectives. Malcolm was definitely any means necessary and a lot more violent than Martin was, but they shot them both. And I, I think that's the part of the story everyone likes to stop before we get to. They shot both of them. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget too. And yeah. it's just you... He you had it. it both ways, yes. and none of you chose to listen. Neither, and you were pleased with neither way. You had both a violent protest and a peaceful protest. Both of them pissed you off, and mm -hmm. you killed both of their leaders because you did not want the change that happened. Fact number two that I recently learned about, after Martin Luther King's assassination, there were seven days of riots across the United States because of his killing. Seven days of riots. And you know what happened after those seven days of riots? Civil Rights Act was passed. Mm -hmm. So if you're mad about people rioting, if you want to say and, and use Martin as a crutch to say that they need to be more peaceful like he was, look at the entire history of what happened. Civil Rights Act was passed largely by all of the work that Dr. King did because he was mm -hmm. amazing and he did a ton of work. But his death was followed by seven days of rioting. Mm -hmm. And that's when the act was signed and passed. There's a fuller story to your history. There is a long history of black people rioting and being pissed the fuck off that no one's listening to them and that they keep dying for no reason. Rodney King riots happened in the 90s. Nothing changed about police brutality. Mm -hmm. We've had 10 years of black people dying for no good reason, mostly at the hands of cops. Others at the hands of racist white people who aren't charged, who aren't prosecuted, or who get off on some dumbass legal reason and they only spend three months in jail for it. People are tired. And it's not fair to take an icon like Martin Luther King and say you should do it this way. We tried. We knelt. We were peaceful. We marched. You didn't listen. And I just like the fact that you brought up like the whole history of it. The whole outline of it. It's a longer story. It's a longer story but people are choosing to to basically pick apart mm -hmm. a historical event. Mm -hmm. Because it's easier to look at Martin as the peacemaker. Mm -hmm. It's easier to say, hey, no, you don't have to be angry. You don't have to be mad. You don't have to do violent things to make a change. Look at this guy. He was great. He had meetings with Malcolm X the last year of his life. They were in conversation with each other. He was looking at maybe being completely peaceful is not enough to get people to change their mind. And that's when he was killed. Mm -hmm. You have to look at the whole picture. Yeah, it's like, 
I just feel like the people that are posting everything on social media about doc, Dr. Martin Luther King is that they're manipulating the storyline. Mm-hmm. Completely. Completely. Just For like their how, unselfish reasons. Like, history books like to manipulate the Trail of Tears, too, and say that, like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, Native Americans just kind of left their land. No. Girl, don't get started with the whole U.S. history books. Oh, no. So much is <laughs> is missing. It's not, it's not the full story. It's not the complete story. So if you don't understand why black people are so mad or why they're choosing to riot rather than to just peacefully protest, even though they are still peacefully protesting, I can't hammer that home enough, they are still peacefully protesting. Mm -hmm. If you don't get it, read the fuller story of black history. It's not one of, hey, we're going to politely knock on the door and ask you to change a law. And America's like, yeah, you know what? This law feels super outdated. Let's go ahead and change that shit. No, that's not how it's been happening. That's not how change has come about. So this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact this country is a violent country. Let's not pretend like we're not. We've been at war more years than we've been at peace in our like slightly over 200 year history. That's just fact. You can fact check me on that. We are a violent country. Our second amendment is about the right to bear arms. Mm -hmm. We are a violent country. So if you are angry with people for being violent, take a look at who you are angry with. Are you mad that they're violent or are you mad that they're black and violent? Yep. Okay. Go ahead. We have reached our last question. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you for (laughs) for explaining everything. I mean... I, yeah, I can't even express how I I feel right now. But anyway, the last question that I have um, is, what is your response to individuals that say they cannot relate to this cause simply because they are not black? Whether that's the rioting and the looting Mm -hmm. or just the whole Black Lives Matter movement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a really good question. And I think, to be honest, in part, you're right. You can't relate because you're not black. There is definitely a part of understanding that you won't be able to have because you don't have the lived experience of living in America and being black. However, I don't think that is a reason nor a justification to bow out from something and to say, oh, this is not my culture. This is not my people. I can't completely understand, so I don't have to be here. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. I think... That if you are someone who loves humanity, you should be outraged by injustice, regardless of if it has a direct impact on your culture or your kinsmanship. You should be outraged. And if you don't know, and you have that position of like, this is not my life, I can't completely understand, learn more. That's There's nothing wrong with recognizing your ignorance and saying, I need to do more research to better understand what's happening. I think we would applaud anyone who is doing that. Some of the posts that I've seen that have given me the most hope is seeing white people who are saying, like, I didn't realize how complicit I was in this situation, Mm -hmm. or I didn't realize that my privilege allowed me to ignore what's going on, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to do better, and I'm going to learn more. We applaud anyone who does something like that. The fact that you took the time to realize that you made a mistake before, and that you were going to try and correct your mistake and learn more about it is beautiful. And that's the conversation we had last night. Yeah. It's the fact that I don't think anybody that has, I don't want to say racist tendencies, Mm -hmm. but who haven't really been for the Black Lives Matter movement, haven't done their part as Mm -hmm. being a decent human being, I don't think that if they were ever to 
to say just to you guys, oh, I'm sorry that I failed as a human being and I didn't support you and I didn't do my part in this movement. I don't think it's going to be met with violence. No. It's not going to be met with hate. No. It's going to be like, thank you for finally realizing that you can be a part of this movement too. Yeah. And no, I mean, just everything on social media that we're seeing, it's just, there is some positivity that we're seeing mm-hmm. and it's great. And I just hope that, you know, people continue to to support this movement. Right. And I think I think the biggest thing any non-black person can do in this space, especially if you are in a, a mental space where you're like, I don't know what to do. This is not something that I can personally connect with is one. Yeah, that's fine to accept that about mm-hmm. yourself to educate yourself, to learn more, to understand more, to be more empathetic of what's going on with people who don't look like you. Um, and, and then lastly, once you get to a place of better understanding, talk to your people. Because that's the real work that mm-hmm. black people need done, is that white people are going to say stuff to each other that they won't say in front of us. We all know it's true. Don't act like it's not true. You all know it's true. And when that happens, we're not there to have that conversation. And if we are there to have that conversation we're not going to be met with a listening ear. We're going to be met with hostility. You will be met with a listening ear, and that's your responsibility. Once mm-hmm. you have taken the time to to learn and to educate yourself, that's your job, is to go back to your people, to go back to your family and your friends who make mildly racist comments, quote-unquote, or have racist micro microaggressions or just don't realize their problematic behavior. That's the work that you can do, is to look at them and to say, hey, this is not right. And this is why you're wrong. And this is what you need to learn about. Because that's a space we can't enter. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's perfect. And I mean, it's perfect because it leads into this, this next portion of our episode is just resources. Mm-hmm. If you are not a black member, there are so many resources out here right now to help support this movement. Yeah. And so... And also, like, don't... Personally, I've had a moment where I was like, I feel bad that I'm not outside protesting. Mm-hmm. But every movement has has stages and every movement has players per stage. Mm-hmm. If protesting is not your stage, make sure you are prepared for when it is your stage. Make sure that you do your research and look into how you can progress this movement, how you can advocate for positive change, for tangible change in this particular mm-hmm. movement. So. If you want to help, but you don't think you can protest or you don't want to protest, there are plenty other things that you can do. Even for black people who think they don't want to be out there protesting, there are tons of other things that can be done and that need to be done to make sure that this just doesn't stay with a a week-long riot, that this moves into something that actually creates change in our communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully it progresses. But if you could please go ahead and talk about the resources for... For this movement. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, I will... <laughs> no, I'll read that last. I'll read that last. Okay, no, so... No, yeah, you gotta read that last. Um, charities and funds that you can look into to donate money to and to take a look at what they are advocating for and what changes they're trying to make. Um, this is just a short list of them that you can look into, but it's a place to start. Um, Black Lives Matter, The Bail Project, The Liberty Fund, Reclaim the Block, I Run With Maud, and that's for... Um, uh, Ahmad Ahmad Aubrey. Aubrey. Thank you. I always get his last name and his first name mixed up. Um, 
let's see, Campaign Zero, Unicorn Riot, and American Civil Liberties Union. These are just a few, but they're a really good place to start. Mm -hmm. um, petitions to sign to show your support for Black Lives Matter and for all of the injustice that's going on currently. Um, justice for George Floyd, Justice for Ahmaud Aubrey, Justice for Belly Munya, I think I'm pronouncing that right, M-U-J-I-N-G-A. Mm -hmm. um, there are tons of other petitions out there, plenty of other people who have been denied justice and, and need our support to make sure that people who killed or hurt them are charged for what they've done, mm -hmm. to not mince words about it. Um, if you are looking for organizations to follow um, on social media, we can look at Color of Change, Equal Justice Initiative, Black Visions, NAACP, and ACLU. ACLU is a legal organization, and they've done amazing things, not only for the Black Lives Matter movement, but also for uh, the movement against ICE to get children out of cages. They are an amazing organization to follow. Um, organizations to follow that support uh, fighting racism and police brutality. A couple of these will be... Um, doubled from the other ones that I've said, but why not? Uh, the Black Lives Matter Global Network, there is more than likely a chapter at least in your county, um, so you can always look into going specifically to your county so that you are um, helping and supporting an organization that will make a direct impact into your life. Uh, Reclaim the Block, that's a repeat, National Bailout, Black Visions Collective, the NAACP's Legal Defense Educational Fund, uh, the National Police Accountability Project, mm -hmm. Color of Change Education Fund, Unicorn Riots, Campaign Zero, Advancement Project, and the Marshall Project. And the last one that I have is books to read, um, just to educate yourself, to understand more, to, to learn about an experience that you might not have. Um, this is also a really short list. Book Riot came out with a list, I think, of like 25 or 30 books to read to help address the topic. So I highly, highly suggest going over to their website and taking a look at their list of books. This is just my top of the list. Um, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Um, I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kennedy. Uh, Don't Touch My Hair, personal favorite, by oh, yeah. <laughs> Anna. Uh, the new Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness, also a really, really good book, comes highly recommended. Um, Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis. She's an amazing activist. Uh, they Can't Kill Us All by Wesley Lowry. And Your Silence Will Not Protect You by Audre Lorde, also an amazing poet. Um, I think that's all of them. Yeah, that's all of the mm -hmm. resources that I had listed. Like I said, this is just a short list of things. There are plenty others. We will link to as much stuff in our um, Instagram profile to give you those resources if you are looking for them. Um, last thing that I wanted to say was um, Barack Obama came out with a, a statement about everything that's been happening right now. And the reason why I particularly love the statement that he made is because it's not just talking about protest and riots and what's happening in this moment. He's talking about making change in your community and the ways in which you can facilitate change and take this from a riot to a movement that has tangible end results, that has mm -hmm. something that we can say, this is what we were moving towards. This is what we wanted to change. So I'm just going to read a short portion of what he said. I do recommend reading the whole thing. I think it's a really good read, um, but I'll read part of it. So, <clears throat> and I'm quoting from here on out. Moreover, it is important for us to understand which levels of government have the biggest impact on our criminal justice system and police practices. 
When we think about politics, a lot of us focus only on presidency and federal government. And yes, we should be fighting to make sure that we have a president, a Congress, and a U.S. justice system, and a federal judiciary that actually recognizes the ongoing coercive role that racism plays in our society and want to do something about it. The elected officials who matter most in reinforcing police department and criminal justice system work at the state and the local levels. It's mayors and county executives that appoint most police chiefs and negotiate collective bargaining agreements with police unions. It's district attorneys and state attorneys that decide whether or not to investigate and ultimately charge those individuals in police misconduct. These are elected positions. In some places, police review boards with the power to monitor police conduct are elected as well. Unfortunately, voter turnout in local races is usually pitifully low, especially among young people, which makes no sense given the direct impact of these offices have on social justice issues. Not to mention the fact that who wins and who loses these seats is often determined by just a few thousand or even a few hundred votes. So with that, I say... Learn about your local elections, learn about your city council, um, your county board members, your police chiefs, and who appoints them, and make sure that we go out and we vote at those elections. Federal elections are important, nationwide elections are important, but if we want to see change in our police departments and the way that they interact with us, go to your city and your county level and make sure that your voice is heard. Well, we are ending our podcast right now but yeah. I just want to say thank you oh yeah thank you for <laughs> for having this conversation with me for being vulnerable I know that this topic has been really difficult for you to talk about and I'm just I just want to say that I'm thankful for you feeling safe enough to talk about this with me and that you know as your best friend I 100% support you and you know I hope that we will see positive changes um, in the next coming months, uh, hopefully. 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 But, um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, go ahead and yeah. do our Instagram plug Yeah. <laughs> uh, follow us at on Wednesdays We Drink podcast. We will be taking this week to highlight um, resources that are helping to further the movement of Black Lives Matter. And, yeah, that's all I got. Probably share some stuff on Twitter too, so follow us there. It is at OWWD Podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much again, Sasha. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Um, bye, love. Bye. Stay safe out there.